Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. I mean, one of the decisions that, that we made was we've just stopped doing tax only work. So, the, you know, the, the landlord and who always turns up about a week before the end of January wanting his tax return done, all that type of people, we, we, we put a little um, batch of tax returns together and we sold them on and we've just, we just, we're just only going to try and do tax returns right, like for business clients. So if you're a director of a company, we'll do your tax return. Um, but we don't do tax-only work because I just find it just under, interrupts your annual workflow too much this December, January time. Because we want to be busy every month, you know, we want to be eighty-nine percent capacity every month, and it's just it's just too much of a distraction. Every accountancy firm, at some point in their history, experiences the frustrating people and time limits that hold the future success of their firm back. Sometimes it can be worse than that, and actually it can undermine the performance of the firm now. So what do you do? Well, on this podcast discussion with Glenn Martin of Avery Martin up in County Durham, you'll hear Glenn share a couple of insights and more about how he and his team have worked out who not to work with, how not to work with them so that they can genuinely win the sort of clients and the sort of work that they enjoy, that they're good at, and they want to build the future of the firm around. Join me and Glenn on this podcast now. Good afternoon, Paul. Um, so, so I'm for those people who don't know me, I'm Glenn Martin. I'm the owner of Avery Martin Accountants, um, which is a small accounting practice based in Chester Street, County Durham. Um, we've been going about five years now, so we're just a small team of me plus four staff, um, and we we sort of cover. Um, we, we look after about a hundred clients, um, with you know from anything from sort of hundred thousand pound turnover up to our biggest clients about eight nine million. Um, so my background is that uh, I trained just with a provincial firm in County Durham. So your standard four or five partner firm. So I spent 10, 11 years there. And then I went to work for another similar size firm. Um, so I spent about 14, 15 years in practice. Um, after that, I got the opportunity to go and work for a client as an FD. Um, and at the time, if I was honest at the time, I, I just thought it was right because I just didn't, the work it was the work I trained to do within the practice. I was like a non a non audit member of staff and a non tax member of staff. So we were just in this generic pool of small business clients. So we did we did everything for them. So we had just an, an all round knowledge of everybody without being a specialist in any field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and at that time, I did, it was when you know people were starting to want to do more reporting and things like that. And, and I just felt there wasn't the tools available to, to do a good job for people. So other than doing the once a year set of accounts, the, the tools at that time weren't really there um, to do a good job. So when I was off the FD role, I just thought it'd be a bit different and a fresh set of um, skills to learn. So so I went and did that. So we, in, over about the next 10, 15 years, I ended up working for three or four sort of local family companies that were in the startup stages when I joined and they grew to be quite big businesses. Right. And I just feel Alo had me accounting experience that the real education started then. So that's when developed a lot of commercial skills outside of just being an accountant. So we know, you know, I've got involved in the HR side of things, legal side of yeah. things, leases, um, how to do acquisitions of properties, you know, um, immigration, all these sort of extra business skills you picked up um, when you're sitting in the FD sit. So yeah. after about, um, so I did that. So I've sort of split my career 50-50 in between FD roles 
and accounting practice. And I got when I got up about forty year old, I just thought I was in a good job, well paid, you know, bonuses. And I just thought, well, I can move to another firm, but it'll be the same as pretty this where I'm at now for the next twenty years. And I'd always mm. sort of had this itch to scratch about doing something on my own because I'd worked with a lot of people who'd become very rich and very successful. And although I'd been along for the ride, I hadn't really got the full benefits yeah, out of yeah. that. So I yeah, just thought, you'd well, earned a living, but nothing else, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just thought, well, now is the time. If I don't do it now, I, I never will. And I, I don't want to sort of get the 50-year-old and think, oh, well, I wish I'd done it. Yeah. Um, so that, so we decided to do set up. And what I wanted to do was really a hybrid practice of my career. So do this, F, bring this sort of FD and commercial skills that I'd learned from you know, a business that would turn over millions of pounds to bring mm. it to the small business market because I just felt that level of support wasn't there. And that was what stopped a lot of small firms becoming medium-sized firms um, yeah. because they didn't, they didn't have access, you know, whether it's, you know, because when you're starting out, if you go to a, like the firms I trained with, they wouldn't be interested in you because you couldn't afford to pay the fees from day one. Yeah. So it was really, you know, I wanted to be in a position where I could make the decisions where I would take a punt on a client if I thought he was going to be a good client in two years' time. I would take them on now, support mm. them then, and then make them a great client. Um, so that was really what I wanted to do. Did so, that work, then? Um, it, it did to a degree, but not successful enough. Basically, what I, what I, was, what I sort of envisioned was um, I would have 20 clients and I would do a day a week, a day a month for each of them, and I'd just be like a little portfolio FD, helping all these businesses to grow. The reality was we'd been going about six months and I had – I had maybe six or seven clients that fit the bill. So obviously mm. I'd obviously given up a quite a good salary as an FD to go and do this and, and it's sort of something needed to happen to stimulate that. So I just thought, well, we're gonna to have to do some compliance work to 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 hopefully use that as like a the youth team, if you like, to the to the F D stuff. So yeah. then we obviously had to start engaging and doing payroll for people, bookkeeping and things like that. Um, yeah. But then again, that, that obviously did allow us to grow. So really the, the practices sort of maintained where we do half of what we do is just compliance work. Um, we try and only sign up people who want to grow. So we don't. if somebody's a sole trader and they only ever want to be a sole trader, then maybe not for us. If somebody's a sole trader and they've got plans to have five staff, ten staff in two years' time, then they're somebody who we'll do a lot with. Right. So half the clients come into that bit, and then obviously as they come through, we try and get them where you know we come on to quarterly meetings or we'll put business plans in places. So that's we, we try and manage it fifty fifty. Like and to be honest, it's, that's where we've managed to grow quite well. With so the, obviously the, the, there is a problem in that sometimes we do produce good clients for other people, in that once people get successful, everybody wants to know you. So we do sometimes lose a few out the top end, but that's that's you know we. we Obviously, as a small team, you can't. You sometimes haven't got all the skills needed to keep people the, the advanced tax skills and absolutely, things like that. So, and, and even even the mid tier firms, uh, Glenn, they'll they'll lose a client to KPMG or PwC because yeah. they're at the next step. You know, there's that, that stage management isn't there of, of clients, and it's understanding that you know you're not going to keep a client for decades and decades if they're a growing firm because their needs and their complexity is going to change, and either your firm adapts to that and grows in the similar flight path, or if you're on a different flight path they're eventually going to um, perhaps find a firm that better suits their needs at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So 50% virtual FD work, 50% compliance work. So you've got yeah. half your business is scaled around your team. Yeah. And half the business is entirely reliant on you. Have I understood that Pretty right? much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Right, okay. Okay. Um, so where, where are you going with this? So well, um, you're five years into your last 20, if just using your language to a degree. Where, where, where are you taking it? What's the, what's the vision for the business? I mean, at the minute, it's, uh, 
the the bit of, that I do, if you like, is at capacity. So it's that's right. That's, you can't do any more. Yeah. So that's almost sold as like a golden ticket service. So right. at the end of the year, we'll say that you know there's one slot for somebody available who wants to go into the FD program. So it's right. sold as like a very high level thing. And then, if I'm honest, I'm trying to beef out the other services we do. So I, I don't know where the line between compliance and an advisory starts because obviously it's, it's a very genetic term. But yeah, I, I see the future, so. or a good part of the future, is building out your compliance services. So right. you know. It, it, Instead of just doing bookkeeping, you can, you can do credit control for people. You can do, you know, now there's, there's tools which allow you to do payment processing for people and just things mm. like that, you know, debt collection. You can do things like that. So we're just trying to build out, you know, this more of um So it's not just the virtual FD. It's this finance department at the end of a telephone instead of the end of the corridor. So that's yeah. that's the bit that we're trying to grow out because that's obviously that's infinitely scalable, whereas it's difficult to, unless I brought in another FD, which would cost a huge amount of money to, yeah. to grow the FD side. So that's what we're trying to do at the minute. So we've just stopped, took a bit of a breather at the start of this year because, if I'm honest, we've been knocked around a bit in the last 18 months, like most people in that. Mm. Some people became very difficult to support, you know, and when businesses reopened, they just weren't interested in the bookkeeping and things like that. So it got into a bit difficult. So we we've looked at every client we dealt with, went through to the review right. of everybody, said we're going to go forward with you. Unless you do this, we cannot go forward with you. So we yeah. cut a bit of the the not-so-good clients, if you like, at the start of this year. All right, right. And then that's created some capacity. So obviously we're now pushing really this outsourced um, finance department, and that's what right. we're looking to beef out now. Right. So are you saying that what you're actually looking for in terms of an ideal client is one who wants both some of your FD support and the compliance services yeah. as well? And if they don't want to take both, they're not an ideal client for you. Have you understood that right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. 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 Right. Cool. Cool. Um, but ultimately, there's still this bottleneck around how many of those FD type clients you can manage and therefore that will limit the yeah. growth of the firm, but are you cool with that, or are you? If I'm honest, I'm, I mean, like, say, at, at, at the sort of age I'm at, that you know, I'm, I'm cool. I've got no desire to have a, like a million pound firm or whatever. I'm, I'm sort of, right. if I if I could sort of grow consistently from now for the next ten years, that would be be sorted, you know. So, right. um, it's about like you say, I see. I I, I, I I would like to bring in more of the the lower, not the lower end stuff, the the, the compliance based stuff. Um, because obviously that's your return fees and, and that's what's got value obviously when you come to retire so that's when what you come I'm to sell, to do yeah now. yeah the, the capital value piece and that, that that is a challenge that you know lots of firms are uh, posing questions how do you a scale that advisory vfd virtual fd piece um so that you can get a capital value pay yeah. out of that and then obviously compliance isn't going to go away anyway anywhere soon and so you can still build a firm around that and the but, but the business owners are you seeing the business owners you work with uh, and it's interesting that you've done that deep dive review of your hundred clients and some have gone out of your choice because they don't fit to create the capacity for others that do are, are you seeing uh, a different uh, need want uh, requirements from clients now compared with say two years ago pre the pandemic yeah i mean i think in a way it's 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 been good in a way because i think i think to a lot of people 
it's the first hard times a lot of people have ever had in business because if you've set up the last five or six, seven years, it's, you'll have just been relatively headache-free in that time. Yeah, if you just started since 2008, with. yes. So it's, it's, it's forced people to actually look at a lot of what they're doing because and, and, what, and they're just not so much just from the, the, the numbers and the finances part of view, but actually how the business works. Because when yeah. the lockdown first came, we had some great businesses that had been trading for, say, 10 years you know, do million pound turnover. But when the world was locked down at sort of 48 hours notice, I was surprised and shocked at how poor a lot of clients e-commerce capability was. Hmm. You know, that we, we had like a lot of people who sell sell within 10 miles of the unit in a van and the, the door yeah. that had zero presence on, you know, they had a website they put up 10 years ago and never looked at it. Um, yeah. So all of a sudden it was like, well, what do we do? And you know, mm-hmm. like we had great some great restaurants, but it was like we can't open. What did we do? You know, and the, 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 they weren't. Mm-hmm. They never. The thought takeaways was just like a greasy thing that somebody down the road did. It wasn't for them. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, these, yeah. So that 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 obviously people had to all of a sudden change, but in a very very short space of time mm-hmm. to survive. Because some you know some people, like if you had a restaurant that was closed, your your burn rate might have still been seven eight thousand pound a month. So it was like, what can you mm-hmm. do? to get in mm. £10,000 a month so you're not losing any money. And so the, mm. all this had to happen really quickly. So um, it's forced people to change a lot of business. And, and, and it is this thing about not just going back to what was before because if you've built a five or £6,000 a week takeaway business on the side of your restaurant, why would you not keep on doing that as long as it didn't mm. happen on your main business? So there was a lot of things like that. So we had a lot of people who pivoted the business into different things very quickly. Yeah. And they're a lot, just a lot more leaner now, a lot more efficient. You know, people were forced to look at costs, and it was you know things like, do you need this big office now? Do we just need a smaller office where people come in a couple of days a week? And just so, mm. so all of this, and it was good for us to be involved because obviously we are having a good handle on the numbers. You can actually have them conversations quite easily with people because it was very, very time sensitive because it happened so yeah. fast. Um, yes. So, so that was where we also, so, so we, you know, we've. So people's business are a lot different, I think now, a lot leaner, mm. a lot you know, a lot more efficient, and it's because it's been mm. forced. Otherwise, you know, people would have yeah, been yeah. in a lot of trouble through it. Did Did you come under any sort of pr- price pressure from clients? No, then? no. I no. Mean, to be honest, we I was just one hundred percent honest at the start of it all. Um, we contacted everybody, and we just said, you know, ultimately we're a small business, the same as you. So all of the same problems you're going through, we are as a business as well. We will mm. endeavour to get everybody through it, um, you know. Um, but obviously, we we would hope that all monthly direct debits were maintained. And if the, if the, you're unable to do so, let us know before they bounced. But to be honest, we never had a bounce payment all the way through. If right. I'm honest, with the benefit of hindsight, we were probably too soft on extras in that we have within our engagement what we call a quick query service, which is supposed to mm. be a 10 or 15 minute thing dealt with as part of your monthly fee. Reality was... 30, 40 minutes was probably getting done through lockdown and not being charged. Um, yeah. We took quite a light approach to the furlough stuff. It, it would basically right. probably covered cost on it. We could have recovered yeah. more from that. Um, yeah. Because I think initially we, we it was sort of billed it was going to be this three-month gig. So I wasn't bothered about putting a bit of time in for three months, but it was just after yeah, when it ends up with the eight months. Yeah, 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 then yeah, you think, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. and obviously then you're like halfway in it, and now it's like, well, how can I start charging things now? So... I think we could have charged more. So I was pleased that nobody wanted to chip our fees and nobody bounced payments. But I do just think we could have pushed it a little bit more because there was a few people who, at the end of it all, when we sat down with them and did a service review, 
and we said, well, you know, this is what you've had for the last 12 months. This is what it should have cost. They were like, okay, I'm going down the road for 50 quid cheap. And I thought, well, that's, you know, we've supported you. And so it was a bit poor. So there was a few people which I, I just think actually, you know, I wish I maybe hadn't They're put as much time there. with you now. So, yeah, um, but yeah, overall, yeah, yeah. overall, it was, it, the you know, the response to it, like for the, all the extras we did was good. But I do think we could have, I think everybody probably feels the same. They probably could have made a little bit more out of it if they wanted to. And push yeah, the there's, there's a been a spectrum. More. Yeah, there's there's a spectrum, isn't there? And uh, there, you know, there was there was quite a number of uh, LinkedIn and Twitter feed conversations around. You know, do you charge everything? Do you charge nothing? Are you somewhere in between? And and you know, the vast majority of firms are somewhere in between. They're not necessarily charge full. Some have and maintain great client relationships. Others have charged full whack and not maintain. Client. You know, there's a yeah. there's a cross section, and you just you, you know you you make your choice and you. You know, you, yeah, you I mean, I mean, we results. wouldn't work. We wouldn't work because the people felt they were overcharged for furlough. I mean, some of the charges that some people did receive locally were extreme. I would have said to be honest, but I mean, we were one work as a result of that. So there's all right. swings and roundabouts to it, you know. Yeah, it is. It is, and and um, the clients that you care about and they care about you back, the work you've done will stand you in good stead over the long term, won't it? Yeah, the ones the ones who are just watching the money that will never stand you in good stead long term. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was an interesting right part of it because I think when the COVID thing hit, the people who were already engaged engaged in a lot of extra services. So some you know people who were getting the same quarterly and getting monthly MI and things like that, they breezed through it almost because the reporting system was in place and the regular meetings yeah. was in place. It was yes. just an adjustment to what they were already doing. And it was the yeah. people who were sort of engaged on a compliance level, really, which were the difficult ones because they needed extra help, but they didn't yeah. think they should have to pay for that. They just thought it was your responsible to yeah. deal with whatever comes up in that 12-month period. Yeah. Um, and and they, were the, they were the ones that was, it was a bit difficult to support because they, you know, they, they, they mm. knew they needed some help, but they just wouldn't, they wouldn't commit. Yeah, yeah. Um, how, how has that influenced your thinking in terms of the type of new clients you win in order to support the growth of your firm? Yeah. I mean, is it, I mean, one of the decisions that, that we made was we've just stopped doing tax only work. Right. So the you know the the landlord and who always turns up about a week before the end of January wanting his tax return done, all that type of people. We 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 put a little. Um, Batch of tax returns together, and we sold them on. And we've just we just we're only going to try and do tax returns right, like for business clients. So if you're a director of a company, we'll do your tax return. Um, but we mm -hmm. don't do tax only work because I just find it just under, interrupts your annual workflow too much this December January time. Because mm -hmm. we want to be busy every month, you know, we want to be eighty nine percent capacity every month, and it just it's just right. too much of a distraction. Um, mm -hmm. So we stopped doing that, and then like I say we we just now. Um, we focus on the quality of client more, whereas in the past, we, we tend to have two big hits of client intakes. So yeah, we get a lot of interest around March, April time, and then a lot of interest around now. And in the past, we've maybe taken on 10 clients quite close together, and then maybe two or three of them had fallen by the wayside over six months. So now we're mm. just trying to get that process better where we maybe take on two or three clients, but they're the absolute right fit from day one. Um, okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's interesting. I was in a dialogue with a firm uh, about onboarding this week of new clients yeah. and um, how uh, how there's a, a, a natural phrase normally associated with inboard, uh, onboarding, a, um, a three word phrase. And the first two words are pain, sorry, four words, pain in the fill out the blank. Mm -hmm. 
is associated, you know, onboarding is a pain. Yeah. And they're like, hang on a second, hang on a second. Isn't the uh, first experience of a new client from an onboarding perspective the single most important moment of truth yeah. that that client experiences. And I know there's lots of moving parts to onboarding and challenges in terms of getting the information and, you know, uh, money laundering and all, and, 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 and it can feel as though in the firm, they all see it from owner down to the administrators that it's a right role, you know, pitter yeah. and or pain in the neck, if you want to be polite, when actually it is arguably uh, the most important moment in that client's experience because any business owner who makes a decision to move accountants are going to be wondering oh have I made the right decision yeah have I made the right and your onboarding process tells them whether you they have or they haven't and as a consequence of the onboarding process will determine whether they recommend other people or they don't yeah and if they start out with your firm not recommending you it doesn't matter what you do over the next 6, 12, 18 months, they still won't. Yeah. Whereas if you start right, they'll recommend more to you. What, what's your approach to onboarding? What's your attitude to onboarding, actually? I mean, it's like I say, it's something we, we all, we're trying to put more and more into it, really. And we, we have a quite a, a strict process we all try and follow because when I, when I, what I did was when I, when I was doing the big review early in the year, I looked at who the best clients were where they came from and how we took them on. And it was, it was yeah. a, a common theme on the ones that were done from end to end through our system worked well. The ones where we maybe missed a few steps out Brilliant. were the ones that were, were, weren't so great. So, I mean, a big like a big thing is now um, when we get a new inquiry, we always send them some pre-work out first. So before we have a conversation or a meeting with them, we'll just collect some core data, you know, what their goals and aims are, set of the previous year's accounts, what the issues currently are. And that's just a great that's just a great one straight away because a lot of people just say, Oh, I can't be bothered to fill this in. Well that that's your first qualification that they're not for you straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, so brilliant. you know brilliant. if somebody's genius but on the on the people who engage with it, they actually think it's great because if somebody's come to see you and two other accountants, the other two accountants you just turn up for your meeting call and you probably spend a big part of the meeting talking about non relevant things, we get mm. all that nailed before the meeting so we can pitch the meeting that hits all the points so our meetings are yeah. a lot better um because we've got this work pre-work in place um mm. so again i mean it's it's one of those things where i guess you never finish with your systems you never get you're always looking to do them better but i just think it is one of those things um and a big thing for me as well because i've obviously i've also been making the transition from being a sole trader to having a team of people so in the past the biggest problem i had was everybody knew me and then, mm. so now it's like at the onboarding stage, I quickly introduce people to who's going to be doing most of their work. And then, then I'm sort of out of that loop. I'm still there as a, the end of the year or a point of contact if they need it. But really, yeah. I, you know, this is the girl who does your payroll. This is who's going to look after your zero account, do your bookkeeping, yeah. et cetera. And that's important to get that in as soon as you can because... ASAP, yeah, 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 brilliant. Brilliant. So how, how good are your team at, at actually following those processes and systems? Because it's one thing to design the system and it's another thing to actually follow it through. To be honest, the team are great. It's me who's probably the biggest problem. <laughs> so. It's always us. In it. It's the leaders. They're always the worst offenders in terms yeah, of following the system. They follow step. Step it's me who just uh, rides yeah, roughshod over things. Up and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am guilty as charged as well, Glenn. I really am. Um, um, 
but it is there is a standard, isn't there? It's it's about setting a standard in the firm around the key systems and yeah. on onboarding in terms of client care and onboarding in terms of future lead generation and the longevity of the client staying with you is is one of those jugular moments of truth for sure. Um, so when if I go if I ask a question around so this podcast is about you know bringing greater humanity to the role of an accountant and the team of people in an accountancy firm what what do you think that means to you and how do you see that evolving in in your firm with your clients and your team i mean we're all obviously what we're about is is providing a high level of service to a smaller number of clients so it's not about um you know it's about the team being consistent, not changing stuff over all the time. So, you know, and we're, we're looking at 10 year relationships with a client, you know, we're not looking to just look after somebody for two years and then let them move on. So yeah. I, I think it's like, say for me, it, it is about the personal side and it's, I, I've always enjoyed the people I work with as opposed to the work we do. Mm. And I have to, you know, ultimately, I, you know, you do have to like the people you work with, you know, you can't, I couldn't, I couldn't work with somebody just who paid a big fee, but he was, he was, difficult to deal with and there was just no one of those there. PITAs yeah, exactly yeah. I mean and there yeah. is a lot of people who fall in that category who, who think you know I pay a large fee therefore I like I have ownership of what you do and control what you do um you know it, it has to be a mutual thing it, it has to be a mutual mm. relationship with people um and, and I think we we sort of we've after the, the clear out we've had I think we're now back on track where you know if I look at the people that I, I I am working with people who I enjoy working with um, mm. you know, and, and, and for me, we, we have sort of two client avatars. One of them is sort of like millennial type clients. And the, these are guys who came to me, you know, and now they're buying their first homes and think, and we're helping them do that. We're, we're helping them structure the business so they can get their earnings right, get mortgages, get the first home, get married. And you're a part of all that journey with people, you know, so it isn't about, yeah. you know, it's about aligning all their personal goals and personal finances with that of the business. Because I think a lot of people just set, set their business up and they just think, well, we'll just run it for 20 years and then we'll retire. But it's, yeah. it's, it's there's, you know, you've got to have all your it's personal stuff outside of that as well. And that's, yeah. you know, that, like, that's like, we just put a lot more focus on that. So we, we work with a lot of, other partners really that plug a lot of the gaps that we don't do so typically small businesses are bad at compliance not just accountancy compliance but you know if you've got five staff nobody ever has contracts of employment for them and so we just have people around them like that 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 protect them because obviously mm. on our, we've just had all our branding redone and the new branding is like a shield around a sapling so it's, it's like we sort of protect them while they're growing the business and make sure everything's in place so we've got good legal people around us we've got hr people around us insurance guys all these financial advisors mortgage guys who who yeah. give all the extras really around it and once you're in it's like a powerful circle because everybody works with each other everybody knows who their ideal client is so it's like a powerful yeah, yeah. little bond but we have with like five or six other local businesses really um brilliant brilliant, brilliant. so Glenn, you say you've got um, two avatars. One's the millennials, first home family, you know, starting out um, and so on. What, what's the other avatar? To, to be honest, the, the, this is one of the, the um, it's the most bizarre thing really that, that I'd noticed. <laughs> is when, because basically I, it, it, at the end of, in sort of March, April time this year, we were just shattered because we'd had, we'd worked flat out all the way through COVID and we were just, we had no holidays, no breaks or anything, and I just thought yeah, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's not working anymore. We need to look at what we're doing, who we're working with, 
you know, who do we like working with? Who causes all our problems? Where do the where do the bad bits sit? And when I looked at the best clients, I said, right, we need to have we need to pick up a perfect client. And I thought we'll have two perfect clients. So I had this group where there was some people went into one avatar block, some went into another, and then the ones who didn't fit either of those were about twenty percent, and that was the headache people. And, right, and so you have always, three avatars, and I've all, <laughs> Pitters, the millennials, and who, whatever, whatever label you give you. And I've yeah. always pondered about what this avatar should look like and who it should be. And when I've looked at it, it's me now and me twenty years ago. So the right, okay. so the millennials are like what I was twenty years ago. So people who are the the young and energetic, but the lack practical experience. Whereas now yeah. it's the people who are, have got a bit more head on the shoulder, but they just want a bit um, extra skill that they haven't got in house. So that's right. that's the two avatars. What's so me now? And, and obviously, it's easy to get on with yourself. So that mm. that's ultimately yeah. how it works. But it just took us five years to realise that that was the that, that's, that's where it is. Yeah, interesting. And you know what? We we we, we as a business have gone through the set. We've, we've done a strategic review over the summer. And um, well, it's not, not completely finished yet. We've got another session uh, day on it next week and uh, reached similar conclusion, um, albeit our two avatars or personas or profiles, whatever label you want to give it, um, fit that. Um, you know, a business owner that looks like you of an accountancy firm who's got, you know, 10 years, 15 years, maybe five years to go, who's actually starting to or already thinking about Where's the succession? Where's the out, capital value out? Um, and are doing work to build a team, scale, uh, knowledge, skill, client relationships so that they can actually sell internally or at the very least create a stronger team so it's appealing to an outgoing, yeah. uh, to, a, to an external buyer. Um, so that's one of our personas, not dissimilar to the one you described, me now, <laughs> but the accountancy version of that. And then um, the other one is the, is the younger version who's buying in or wants to buy in and wants to pursue a capital value part to their career, not just a job, uh, yeah. which is sort of you leaving the accounting firm or rather leaving the FD role and wanting to paddle your own canoe. Yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting we're in a similar similar space there. Um, but it's, you know what, Glenn, it's, can you see, well, it seems to me you humanise, you bring a degree of, you call it enjoyment, but I call it, you know, enjoyment with humanity. If actually your clients fit really well, who you want to work with. Yeah. And if they don't fit really well, then it's always, well, it's not always, it's never, it's never really going to feel as good as it could be, is it? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it, it has to, you know, you, you, you spend a lot of time, you know, 40 hours a week or whatever, doing what you do. So you have to, mm. you have to enjoy a good part of it. I mean, yes, there is bad times and, you know, the stressful times and, Things like that, but ultimately you've got to enjoy most of what you do. Otherwise, you don't really do it well, do you? So, yeah, absolutely. And don't you think that's actually connected with the team you work with and the clients you work with more than anything 100%, 100%. else? Hundred percent. And that's why that you know uh, bringing greater and greater humanity to what we do makes uh, eminent sense. I think. Um, I'd like to go down a slightly different avenue. Uh, maybe push one or two buttons. Um, What's your attitude to pricing Glenn Martin as well as the services in the firm? How have you shifted and moved during your five years in terms of your perception of your value, your perception of what your prices should be for what you and your firm do? We went through, if I'm honest, the original business plan was, was quite simple in that because I'd left quite a well-paid job, 
I only had a finite amount of money to make it work. Otherwise, I would have to just go back and take a job. So the first right. the first step was survival. So for that, I needed about to get up to about 50, 60% of what my earnings were before. Yeah. The next step was to get up to the previous level of earnings. And then obviously, the third step was just to go beyond that. So it was like it justified all the risk and sort of stress or whatever you were taking. If I was honest, yeah. when I started out, I didn't really have a plan beyond that. So I just thought if I can get up to where I'm making, you know, 20, 30 grand a year more, then I yeah. was in employment. That's me winning at life type of thing. So yeah. if I'm honest, the way it panned out in the first year, because we needed to survive, we probably made the mistake a lot of people will do. Everybody will tell you not to, but I often find it's inevitable to not to fall into. So any client who's got a wallet is a client, and yeah, whether yeah, yeah. they're prepared to pay the proper rate or anything is beside the point. So anybody who's got, you know, so we end up working... We ended up busy for not enough money, you know, took a lot of low value work on. So we had to shed that skin, take, take forward the ones who were a bit better job, a bit better fee, and then start again. And then um, it was only really in the last 18 months, two years, where we've sort of sat down and just thought, well, hold on, what, what is our value for what we do? So we've got, you know, we use, we've got one of the, we use one of the pricing tools to do it. So we sit down and a big thing, I guess a big thing, the first thing you've got to do as an accountant or, or, or something that we were bad at was doing stuff for free. And so mm. the first step you've got to do to get your pricing right is you've just got to learn to charge for everything. Or if you're not nice. charging for it, why are you not charging for it? So you've got to have yeah. transparent engagement. So this is what we're going to do for you every month and this is what it costs. Anything outside of that, outside of this quick query thing is a, is a chargeable mm. extra. And that's quite a big step, actually, because a lot of people within a lot of people are comfortable in the monthly fee in that they, they look at the annual income produced from all these monthly fees and they just think, well, actually, that's okay for what I do. But within that, there'll be jobs that draw a lot more effort out, out for mm. what they pay. And there'll be also ones that you've probably got a good fee because they come from a big firm and you don't actually do that much for or whatever. A great thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the, the, first, the, first, so the first thing is just learning to charge for everything or even get the mindset into the staff that, you know, if you've been doing his payroll for a year and he's now got 20 people on and he started off at five, you need to say or you need to raise that as a query and you don't yeah. just do it every month because you did it the month before. So that is mm -hmm. getting that mindset in place first. And then I think now we're at a stage now where we can speak more about the value we do. So on the higher end stuff, um, you know, it's having, having like systems in place really for that where we are charging what, you know, what we're worth. And, you know, if, if we're fully outsourcing, a finance department that's a that's a big thing we're bringing to somebody you know that's a big headache we're taking away from somebody that's making sure all that's correctly charged so um mm. so i think well i say we're a lot better of that now because it's a bit mm. more systemized we've got a, a, you know an, like a, a regular review process of services and we, we keep on looking on pricing and things like that so we are better at it but again it's something you probably never totally crack because you, yeah. you you've got it's to an ongoing process to review and and, and 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 refresh and so on so you, you made the statement there charging what we're worth how do you determine what it is you're worth to be honest it, it is very difficult and it's something i've challenged a lot particularly on the fd stuff i do yeah because, that's where i want to go that's because that's you in it we had an incident last year where there was a guy, he had quite a good, but his business wasn't great when it came to us, to be fair. There was a lot of things wrong, which were blatantly obvious to us because we were we were coming in cold. So there was a lot of low-hanging fruit, which we tidied up. And after about 80 months, his business was a lot better than it was. And he said, right, what we want to do is we want to build this and sell. 
because his business was one of, it was something that would sell on a multiplier of profits. So it was like six or seven times profit. So he had a, an end, end level figure in, the, in his head yeah. of what they want. So I said, right, if that's what you want to do, it's going to be a couple of year journey to get there. I said, we, you know, we can do all that we need to do. We'll, I'll effectively become the FD of the company. And he just thought, right. And he just wanted to sort of sit back. And, and I said, right, so we're going to have to do the business plan for this next year. What contracts do we need to win? And he was like, oh, you just do that. And I said, well, no, you've got to be involved. It's your business. And it just came, it became apparent that he wanted all the benefits of selling out, but he didn't want to do anything differently than work. he was currently doing. And mm-hmm. I just thought, well, hold on. We might have given you a proposal for, I think his proposal was about 30 grand a year, like two and a half grand mm. a month fee. And I thought, hold on. If you're going to sell out and walk away with 10 million pounds in three years' time, we're going to lose a 30 grand a year client. And really, in those circumstances, we should be having the equity out of that or we should be getting something out of the proceeds. But and mm-hmm. it, it, So I was just actually, you know, initially what we thought was a good fee actually probably wasn't for the amount of commitment we would have to put in for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's just thinking around that really about, and, and it's, it is a difficult one because I don't, know, I don't know how you would successfully structure that type of deal and how you get mm-hmm. the client to buy in. But some people do get it you know if they're just thinking where am i today i've got a business worth a million pound you're going to take it or help me take the one worth 10 then yes Mm. i'll I'll happily give you some of that growth beyond your Mm. accountancy fee some people get that some people just think well no i'll just pay you an Mm. annual fee and i expect you to do it um so it is i mean that is a challenge i mean i'd be keen to know what who's cracked that or who's successfully done it but it is worth yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's quite. It, I find it sometimes the biggest challenge. The sometimes the biggest challenge we have when we're doing FD type work is it's the owner, and that mm. often you'll get a lot of the time where the the staff, everybody, because everybody wants to work in a better business than they currently do. So mm. staff buy-in is usually not the issue, but often the the owners sometimes want the benefit, but they don't really want to change anything they're doing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. it's that. And so, so if you're going to do that change for it, it's it's how do you get fully rewarded for that? It's a big question, is it? So, Glenn, if you check out um, on the podcast role, uh, Luke Smith from Purpose. In fact, we, yeah. we had such a long conversation, it, we had to split it into two. But he's he's um, he shares a number of insights, um, and he's the sort of guy that um, you know he's he's um, he's a busy bloke. But um, you know, if you ask, he's the sort of guy who gives. So if you need to pick up a, the phone and, and, and talk to him, then uh, have a go. Um, he's not he's not frightened of telling you to. Um, you know, you know, no, I won't because yeah. he hasn't got the time, but uh, it's worth having an approach. But listen to the podcast with Luke because you'll hear uh, his approach to um, the some of the work he does, which enables him to actually have equity in the businesses that he works with in that FD capacity. That's good because what, what, one, one of my clients has successfully actually done what, what we've just talked about there because mm. we've got... Um, we we look after quite a good social media agency locally, mm-hmm. and when the lockdown hit, they literally they were like a hundred grand a month turnover business, and they literally had sixty seventy thousand pound a month cancel like first of April mm-hmm. gone. And yeah. a big part of what they did was hospitality, so they had loads of these hotels and stuff like that. They did, so we had a meeting in their office, and I was like, right, what we're we going to do? And I said, well, at the end of the day, I know it's your background, but the hospitality thing's gone for for twelve months. It's gone, you know what's going to be massive in the lockdown e-commerce stuff so you need to pivot into that now and what happened was they managed to there was a few other startups that were forced on by lockdowns who you know people mm. being made redundant and things like that and they they set up their own brands and they approached these guys and they said right you know we've got this great product 
we need to market it, we haven't got a clue how we do the marketing on social media. And they managed to successfully get 15% stakes in a lot of these companies. And they said, we will do your marketing for you for free. And we'll mm. build the brand for you on Facebook and Instagram, whatever. And then mm. some of these things have went huge. And I mean, there's two of them now, which are like, you know, six, seven million turnover businesses now. Mm-hmm. And, they've, you know, they've got investment. They've got, and obviously the, the, the social lads have got a good stake in the business. And I'm just thinking, well, actually, that's, you're better at it than me in that respect. You've done a great mm-hmm. deal there. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I guess, obviously, you, you will have some who you, you, who you fail with. Um, but I just think that, 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 you know, what they've done is great. And obviously, we're, we're on the back of it because obviously we're part of the team. So they'll, they'll do the marketing for people. They'll get us in to do the finances for, for these e-commerce stuff. So we obviously, we, my background is hospitality. So, you know, I am, you know, at the minute, not looking for more hospitality work. But the e-commerce mm-hmm. stuff's got potential, you know, to be huge for us as well. Because we've got yeah, some brilliant. great brands we're working with. Yeah, a couple of niches there. So, one of the, if I, I can just chip in, if I can, Glenn, with that, it's that the conversation is as, as much around what it is the business owner loses out from not having you involved in that piece. Yeah as it is the value that you can deliver because the yeah. perception of value is is breaks into two 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 camps one is the pain that they'll um, experience if they work with you compared with the pain that they'll experience if they don't work with you yeah that conversation ha- has to be had um and then the other conversation is the the upside benefit of working with you and the upside benefit of not working with you yeah now whether they work with you as an accountant and an fd and the support services or whether they're you're having a conversation with them about an equity stake then uh, you still got to have and obviously if it's an equity stake you got to have that that conversation is going to take more than one conversation and you're going to have to get um uh, pursue that that in a deep way your reasonably yeah. deep way and not be afraid of that um but to a degree what luke's not lacking is uh, self-belief that is worth it yeah um and sometimes people don't pursue those conversations because they go oh do do we want to do it is one question do we want to be that in our client's world because it could be a distraction from the core business that you're building as an accountant and an fd you know because of that equity piece and there's a pound of flesh maybe needed for, uh, for for that level of work um but what Luke's been able to do is do that and divest himself of lots of other work uh, and, and grow that side of his business. But he also got issues around scaling that as well, which you know you've already uh, hinted at because yeah. it's got to have the right standard of person to do that sort of work. Um, but interesting that we we have a pricing conversation and it's you know how does Glenn value what he's worth? Yeah. Um, and the more and more you do this intrinsically, you get more and more valuable but how do you demonstrate that to your clients in a, a human way so that they uh, feel as though they agree with you it becomes the big question doesn't it it is i mean like i say and it's obviously it needs to it needs to go through every member of your team as well in that we know that they yeah. have the same conversations they you know it's not just about providing a service for a for a minimum fee to avoid receiving fines you know and it, it's what you're doing, what you're doing beyond that, you know, and, and that's why we always try to put a lot of extras into what we do to try and mm. move, keep moving the fees forward all the time. So, you know, it isn't, you know, if we're doing your payroll, we will we'll make sure all your HR stuff's around it sorted correctly um, to give, so that our services is the best payroll service we can give against yeah. somebody 
going to a bureau where they're going to charge you three quid a pay slip and a different yeah. person does your payroll every week. Um, yeah. And like I say, the, the, I guess from the, the value I bring is in the result in that whilst a lot of, a lot of what we do won't, won't be scalable or, or often often something I struggle with as well is trying to standardise what I do because I, I think too much of what I do is bespoke to each individual client and I would like to I would like to maybe offer at a lower level to more people, if you know what I mean, and, yeah, because it's too bespoke and it's just hard to scale and it's hard to hard to manage because everything's built for each client. Yes. Um, and uh, like I say, but ultimately the results we can give are, are, are great. We, we, we've had some great results, and it's this sort of case study type of thing where you know we can say, well, this is a guy who was in recruitment. This is where he was. This is the journey we mm-hmm. took him on, and this is where he's at now. Mm-hmm. More than happy to put you in contact with them to have a conversation, um, but that's you know that's that that is the value. What you do is is that result. You know, if if you he went from being you know he had no information, couldn't make decisions, he's plateaued his firm out. Now he's got stuff where he's looking forward. He's grown twenty percent this year, and yeah. that's that's the sort of stuff that we can bring in really. But again, it's it is that conversation, and it's getting. It's getting the other side to understand what you're doing, and I think you've got to do that by regularly talking to people so they know. Because the biggest mistake we made through last year was just doing things. You know, yeah. it was the easiest thing in the world last year was when somebody rang up, "Oh, we've got a letter from tax people. Just send it over. We'll sort it out." And that was the mm-hmm. that was because we were so busy, we just did slip into that trap. So you need yeah. to constantly say, "Well, this is what's happened." This is where we were, and this is what we've done. So that's the the yeah. movement is the value we've provided. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, we're just doing an exercise at the minute about totaling up the COVID work. So we're at something like two point one billion pound in furlough claims done, and for less than a hundred clients, you know. So right, all right. and we keep like a value register for each person. So when we do a you know we do an R and D claim with somebody that's so much money recovered. Obviously there's been loads of value through the COVID stuff to collect for people. And yes. it's just when we are doing the fee reviews, it's it's just a good thing to have with you when you can say, Well actually we've done all your compliance stuff, all that's been done and this is the extra things we've identified for the year. So yes, we've mm. charged you this but we've we've made you ten thousand pounds worth of savings or whatever. Um mm. so that's that's a useful tool we introduced in the last couple of years that there's the value register as well. Why can't I see any reference to that on your website? Because the new website hasn't gone up yet, and the old one, <laughs> the, the old one has been sat for about twelve months without anything on it. So right, okay, okay, all right. So um, I'll ask a better question than that one because everyone responds to, "Oh, we've got a new website it's coming." Yeah, 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 right, okay. Um, we've all got a new website coming. Um, I, I don't mean to be disingenuous there, <laughs> is it? But it's a regular bounce back I get because we can never quite get there, can we? Um, I'm guilty of that, by the way. I, was, I had a new website going live at the end of June, and it didn't happen because it just the the, the project it just got bigger and bigger. Um, what um, what assets have you got that actually demonstrate the, the, the case study story success of the firms that you've worked with, whether it be during the last two years or since you started the business? So we've got we've just we just getting film now some like one-to-one case studies with our clients so Brilliant. we've used it the socially the social media issue i mentioned before they've obviously we've just did a bit of a trade-off and some work with them so they've uh-huh. they've sort have of, they taken an equity stake in your business have they not quite, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, good man 
Um, so yeah, so they, they, they've just uh, to be honest, that that was something that was was supposed to happen a year or so ago, but with lockdowns yeah. or whatever, it didn't. Um, so it was just, just, I just think they're going to be great because one of the things that um, I mean, marketing, marketing is something that that I'm not great at. I mean, I understand, you know, I've worked in business where we successfully marketed business, but it's not something I greatly understand. I don't understand all the metrics around social media sometimes. But what I do or what I dislike around social media is, or what I think a lot of people have fallen into the trap of. They're making unqualified statements where people will stand up and say, you know, oh, we signed up 30 clients this week and I'm just, or oh, we're the best at this or we do this, but, you know, or, we're, or the classic, we're a proactive accountant. Well, everybody yeah, right. everybody claims to be different and everybody yeah, right. claims to be proactive, but the, the unqualified yeah, right. statements. Yeah. So what we want to do is just put a bit of meat on the bones and say, well, actually, this oh, is God. what we've done. Here's a case study of what we've done. Um, and you know, it isn't just social media waffle. It's 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 the real case. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. So that that emphasis on uh, building a portfolio of proof is what you build in Glen. Yeah. So statistical proof from your what you call the value register, story proof from the things that you've done with clients, uh, and and actually it pays to be, en- or rather, pays to ensure that the hero of the story is the client, not you, the firm. Because yeah. most case studies are badly done because they make the accountant out to be really smart. When actually, you know, if you think of uh, in a story context, um, the hero of um, Star Wars A New Hope is Luke Skywalker. It's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. And as can you see, is there's, there's yeah. a role that the accountant yeah. plays, which is more Obi-Wan Kenobi than it is Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is the business owner. And um, building, I, I used to call it a skip full of proof. Because so, the more you've got, that, that in itself t- tells a tale. But it's that portfolio of proof, which is around statistics, stories, guarantees and testimonials, which is, you know, they're, they're now almost overused, but still still relevant. Um and it's in its um, that in itself exposed through your website, through your social media challenge, and so forth, is far better than telling people what the the, the new tax regime is, or yeah. the VAT changes, or this on furlough, and so on. That stuff has to happen, but it's get the stories out there. So if you, it sounds though like you're on that journey already, yeah. Um, but be absolutely certain that when you watch those videos, which you then turn into PDFs as well, which are easily accessible for people who don't want to watch videos. Um, the hero of the story is the client, not you and your firm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, we've, um, I've got, I'll, I'll share with you a, um, a bite-sized uh, business breakthrough report that we, we, we write on a occasional basis uh, every couple of months. And I've got two around proof. So I'll share those with you as a consequence of this discussion because it's a short read, cup of tea, you'll have them. And then you go, all oh, right, now I can see how this is um, going to help build a marketing model for your firm. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, it's really good to have that conversation. But I'm, re- I'm really keen on this, um, what this uh, value register looks like when it goes on your website. So let me know if you can, drop me a note when the website yeah, goes we'll do, yeah. Um But there's, um, you know, there's four forms of proof. Case studies, testimonials, statistics, and guarantees. That's the, uh, which is another big conversation. And some firms have done really well with the guarantee piece. Some firms uh, get very scared about it actually um they shouldn't be um there's a bite-sized report on that as well if you're interested i can share that with you um cool so uh, there's been a really healthy 
discussion, uh, Glenn. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out and sharing so much insight. Of everything we've covered off today, is there anything that uh, you've gone, well, that's that's good for us, that you're going to take out of our conversation? That's either a reminder of stuff you did well in the past or signposting something for the future. What, what's the one thing of the uh, within our conversation today that stood out for you as being, oh, I need to do something with that? I think, I think in, ge- in general, we just need to do more of the shouting about what we do because it, it right. is, obviously, because we only work with a small group of people, I guess, that we probably don't shout about enough and don't shout about the results we get enough and yes i mean mm. obviously our clients will talk to other people but i think um we may be a little bit too reserved on things and i think that's something we're wanting to change and it's it, like you say it's just about understanding the social media stuff more and, and, yeah. and, uh, and what what gets it out there what's genuine because I, I always think like i say i just think that at the minute there's a lot of waffle and a lot of stuff that's just generic, Guff. generic blah, stuff. Blah, blah, fluffy guff. Oh, please, think, give so me I'm a break. I'm yep. going to do less of it, but just quality with what we've done. And I just think um, right. we have got some good stories, really. And I just think it's, it's, it, we're going to just start pushing those out. And just, you know, like I say, this is, mm. you know, this is where this is where the business was. This is where it is now. And we've helped along that mm. journey. And that's a great message, mm. I think. And it's a genuine one as well. And mm. it's, you know, it's quantifiable behind it. So it, it, that's what we want to do, really. Yeah, what, what, what stood out for me is your um, prickliness, if you will, around lots of people are saying stuff, but they're unqualified statements. Yeah. You know, back it up with some evidence and then um, then it'll it'll stack up. Um, to finish, Glenn, I just go, uh, which industries are the big story industries? I mean, go, for me, I think it's e-commerce. It'll be the e-commerce stuff because... Well, potentially, but if I can just um, books... How many books are sold every year? Millions of them. Yeah. Why? Because they've got good stories. Uh, films. What does the film industry do in terms of total turnover in a year? Billions. And actually, music. As much as there's the there's the um, the mute the, the the sounds, there's also the stories within the songs. And you go look, the, the humans get hooked by stories. Yeah. And accountants don't tell good enough stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's social media is the channel of distribution. What we're going to distribute? Blah blah, fluffy guff, or are, you going, are we going to distribute some really great stories? Yeah. Snip it on this, snip it on that, snip it on the other. And that's um, if um, if that's what stood out from this discussion today, then uh, you, you're absolutely ploughing the right furrow from a lead gen, lead conversion uplift. Yeah. Um, but I'd also argue that um, because you, Glenn Martin, within Avery Martin, is such a finite resource, um, you might uh, you might be a little bit braver on pricing because you're um, you're so finite. Yeah. You know, like a diamond. There's lots of diamonds, but there's only yeah, one. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's it is just that it's that journey that you know we've been on where, you know, like I say, initially it was around we started off around this initial talk of survival and it's obviously it's, yeah. it's you're transitioning from that to say well actually yeah absolutely i've survived now and now i, I want yeah. the 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 rewards from it really i guess and 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 arguably the stories will demonstrate that you've earned the right and so can you see how if you capture those stories you'll go yeah wow we really are quite good at this uh by the way uh, we charge this <laughs> yeah 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 and actually the payoff to your firm is your business is you don't have this pain and you have this upside and then all of a sudden we're in a value conversation, which is um, often that something that gets lost in the pricing piece, whether you use practice ignition or go proposal or any of the others for that matter. Yeah. Um, 
Glenn, you've been brilliant. Really appreciate you taking time out. Thank you very, very much. No problem. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Satago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor, and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.